Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Has something ever hidden from you in plain sight? Like stuff just hides from you. But it's not, it's not really hiding. It's there. You just haven't seen it. You just don't see it. I have this spiritual gift. Like it is so strong in my life. It's actually a spiritual thing, Greg. It's a spiritual gift. If y'all need anything lost, I'm your guy. If you're trying to lose books or trying to lose kids or trying to lose something, I can help you with that. I say I am a professional loser. I mean, I've been a Jags fan most of my life, right? (laughs) But look at God. Look at God. Look who's in the playoffs this year. Where, Where is my guy? My man right here is going to stand, stand up. We got, a, we got another Jaguars fan. Met, met a first, what? I'd pay him nothing. I know him. He's a Jags fan. I met someone walking in. He's from Florida. He's a Dolphins fan. I'll give him a pass, but he says he roots for the Jags. I don't know where, where you are, but you can stay at our church. Amen. But... Like, I, I have a spiritual gift of losing things, but especially losing them when it's right in front of me. Ask my wife, my poor wife. I'll go to her, I, babe, I can't find my phone. I got to go. I can't find my keys, can't find my wallet, can't find nothing. And, like, my kids are joking on me, laughing on me. I'm like, whenever they lose something, I'm like, you know what's in your DNA, right? <laughs> you got my DNA in you. Like, you're you going to be losing stuff. But, but... We can have a tendency, and me included, and kind of me as the first, like we can lose things in plain sight. And when I was thinking about, specifically, we can do this with things in the Bible, where things that are clearly there, things that are right there, we can have a proclivity and tendency to actually just read right by it, right through it, and not even realize it's there and miss something that is so vital and important for our growth. And as I was praying about what to lead our church into, especially for, especially for this 14 days of prayer and fasting, and even to begin a, a brand new year, I always seek the Lord, and I say, Lord, what season is our church in? What does our church need to hear? Like, wh- where are our people at? What, what do they need to hear from you? And as I was seeking the Lord, I, I really felt him say, it's, it's the kingdom of God. Exactly. Not that exciting, right? No one was like, whoa! Maybe if I would have said seven ways to make yourself better. Whoa! But, but no, I, I really felt the kingdom of God. And this is kind of born out of the past three years of my life. You know, I've shared many. I, I, I have brought you along the journey that I've been on in the past two and a half years. July 2020. Uh, that was six months or about three or four months after COVID hit. I did not realize how close I was to being a pastoral statistic. 
And what I mean by that is how close I came to burning out. How close I came to just leaving the ministry. Um, COVID was hard for pastors. There's, there, there is right now actually a shortage of pastors. In our denomination, there's actually, I think, 100 churches that have no resumes. <laughs> and I'm not saying this for pity. I'm just being candid. Because whenever COVID hit, COVID exposed what you were building on and what was important to you. And so my identity was built on how many people came, who I could see. And when COVID hit, I couldn't see no one. I'm preaching to a camera. I stutter. So it, it, it was like I felt like I was exposed to the world. And I had so much pain in my neck that I couldn't even turn it to the left. It's so much stress. And so honestly, like, I, I went online, and if you saw the documentary, you've heard this before, but it was like I went online and typed in pastor's retreat. I just had to, like, I, I needed help. I didn't know where to turn, didn't know what to do. I just felt like I had a sick soul. Had a beautiful wife, beautiful kids. Our church was, was doing really well, three years old, two, three years old, growing, a lot of good things going on. But in, in my soul, I just felt sick. It was no joy. I always looked at what I didn't have instead of what I did have. It was always this, well, I wish we had more. Da, 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 and so honestly, I looked online, I typed in pastor's retreat, and I found this specific ministry called Soul Shepherding, which this ministry was created to help pastors care for their souls, to help them do ministry from a healthy place. And so I started going to these retreats in California and kind of walking through their material and a central focus of their material in helping pastors get healthy was about the kingdom of God. And I'm like, I, I know this stuff. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, you know, yeah, I know, Jesus said, oh, Jesus, you know, <laughs> geez, um, you know, it's just like, yeah, kingdom of God this, kingdom of God that. And then when I actually started to stop not seeing what was hidden in plain sight and start to actually read the gospels and looking at it in context of how many times Jesus used the term kingdom of God. Get this, Jesus mentions the kingdom of God 85 times. He mentions the word church twice. When I started to actually see the language that Jesus used is kingdom language, you can see even from the scripture that we, the Genesis, the the Genesis spoke today, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I started to learn and grow in and really understand. Jesus is a king, who has a kingdom, and invites us not to just say a prayer to get out of hell free, but to come and learn to live in a new reality in the kingdom of God that actually becomes a world within a world to where you can literally walk in a new reality that though blank Biden is president, Jesus is king. Though there's brokenness in hell around us, we serve a good father who is a good king. 
And it was learning. It, I've been in this process for two and a half years of learning to live in light of the kingdom of God. And it has been revelatory. It, it, it has calmed anxiety. It's given me more purpose. It's given me more clarity. And I said, I have to start the process of helping our church think through this and learn to live in this reality. That's why we said the 14 days of prayer and fasting, thy kingdom come. Okay? So, that is kind of the basis for this series. I want to give you three reasons really quick why I think it's an under, why, why understanding the kingdom of God matters. Number one, the church won't know what success looks like without understanding the kingdom of God. Let me dive into this really quick. Every church is asking, how do we know we're successful? Honestly, like, really, the United States church has boiled success down to three Bs. Ready? Budgets, buildings, and butts, not actual butts, butts in the seats, where somebody could walk into a church and be like, ooh, nice building. Oh, you can tell they got money. Look how many people are here. And what does that do in our minds? Success. That church is killing it. But then whenever you actually study like what Jesus describes success as in the kingdom of God, you can see that the United States definition of what the church calls a success is completely different than what Jesus calls success in the kingdom of God. So if the church doesn't have a measure or standard of what success is according to Jesus and his kingdom, the church will make up what success is. That's why we've said, well, we've got to get this as a good metric, budgets, butts, and buildings. But Jesus, actually, success in the kingdom of God is not about what you have. It's who you are becoming. The Beatitudes, when Jesus was talking about who is blessed in the kingdom of God, he said it's those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are humble, those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are pure in heart, merciful, who work for peace, and who are persecuted. There was this one moment, if you know John the Baptist, he was called the forerunner of Jesus. He was kind of the person that prepared the way for Jesus. He actually got imprisoned because he spoke the truth to power. And when he was in prison, he had doubts whether if Jesus was the one that was supposed to come after him and be the Messiah. And, what John, and so what Jesus did, he actually sent somebody. He said, hey, go and tell John the Baptist what you see happening in light of, in light of me coming. He said, go and report to John what you've seen and what you have heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have, and the poor have had the gospel preached to them. You know what Jesus was doing there? These will be evidences of my kingdom has shown up. Is this stuff active in our churches? So I've been challenged, and I share this with you to say I've been challenged. I shared this with you to say I just don't want to be a successful church in the world of the United States. I want to be a successful church because we bring the kingdom of God wherever we go, in us and then through us, individually and corporately. But this will only happen if we understand what it means to live in, as with Jesus as king, in the kingdom of God is the only way that we're going to know what success really looks like. And what I've deemed is this, the church is the people that bring the kingdom. 
The church is the people, the body, the army of Christ that we then go and we take ground and we go and we declare and bring, say, Jesus is king. And we come and we bring the kingdom wherever we go. We're gonna dive more into that in a second. But secondly, the reason we gotta understand the kingdom, the context of most of Jesus' teachings was the kingdom of God. I mean, do you realize how much of what Jesus said his parables started with the kingdom of God is like. He was saying, let me tell you what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. So even the one parable of the mustard seed, everyone knows that. Before he said that, he said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Starts off as the smallest little seed. But after time, it grows and it becomes the largest tree and many people make their home or Many birds, animals, whatever, make their home in it because it's grown so much and it overtakes everything. So he was describing what even, like, he was taking a parable, and really a parable is taking something practical and giving it a spiritual heavenly meaning so we can understand it. So he was saying, you know what the kingdom of God is like? It starts off really, 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 really small. But after you give it time, you nurture it. It has the opportunity to grow and then not just be a piece of your life, to be all of your life. I love how Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, one of the things he told them to pray, thy kingdom come. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What was right after that? Thy kingdom come. He did, he did, he did not say budgets, buildings, and butts. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He said, Father, build your kingdom. A lot of what Jesus spoke was in context and in terms of kingdom language. Third, I think it's important, like, Jesus spoke in kingdom language, be, excuse me, because he knows humanity. Because let's just be honest, all of y'all want to be kings and queens, building your own kingdoms. Let's just be candid. That is what you desire. You might not know it as that. You might not speak that language, but you want to be in charge, building what you want to build, how you want to build it, when you want to build it, for the reasons you want to build it for. And there's a reason why Jesus said, there's a new king coming, who's going to build a new kingdom. Why? Because even in that time period, it was kingdom language. Even saying Jesus is king was actually a crime. Because what you were not saying is, Caesar is king. Because back then, Emperors were divine. So even the phrase, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, was actually a rebellious statement that could get you killed. Because what you were saying when you said that is, this, these earthly kingdoms are not actually what it's about. It's about the king. But did, did you know like you were actually created to rule? This is something... I'm not saying it's wrong to want to be a king. It's not wrong to want to rule. It's not wrong to want to build your own thing. Because even what you see in Genesis chapter 1, when God was creating people, creating the world, check this out, Genesis 1.26. It says, then God said, so, so this is the creation narrative that in Genesis chapter 1 says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will what? Reign. That's, that's kingdom language. Reign, rule. So even God's original plan was to have, he's the creator, you're the created, you're ruling over creation. 
okay? That's why he said they will reign over, and then he goes into like animals and fish of the sea and fruit, you know, trees on the ground. Like the, the, the creator gave the created dominion to reign over creation in his perfect order. But when, when man and woman sinned and said, we want our way instead of God's way, this whole order switched. Now we've got creation ruling over created, right? Now we're dominated by all these desires and drugs and, I mean, any, anything, you know, lust and pleasures and money and, like, all of these creation things are ruling over created. Not only are they ruling over us, now we want to be ruling over God. We want to be over the creator. So it's not wrong to have to say, because you, you were created to rule, but you were created to rule under the king, not as king. So that is why, and I feel, I feel led to pause and say this, because some of you, you've given your life to God, you've started to follow Jesus, and you had the mindset your life was going to get easier. I'm so sorry if someone told you that. Someone told you that. I just want to apologize on their behalf. Why? Because honestly, if you start to follow Jesus, I want to actually say this, your life will probably get more difficult. And I'm just delivering the mail. I just got the blue backpack on, and I'm just driving around that little white beat-up truck delivering the mail, putting them in the mailboxes, okay? This is the mailman right, right here. Like, even Jesus said there's a cost to following him. He was not scared about talking about the cost. And I, I, I just think, because let me tell you why this happens. There are three main entities you battle with. You've got the devil, hello. <laughs> the spiritual was just as real as the physical. It's real, it's there, it's active. Scripture talks about this. We don't battle physical, we, we battle spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. There's a spiritual battle going on, the devil and his demons. Secondly, you battle the world and its systems and its ways. There's a system going out there. There's a system out there that wants to shape you and form you to be like itself. Thirdly, you've got the flesh, the lovely flesh. All these feelings and desires, urges, just... Any of you ever, ever say, where'd that come from? Why do I want to choke that person? Or like, why do I want to... Why do I want to do that? Like, and you've got all these things just bubbling up inside of you. And I think that some of you, when, whenever you had that, you started to follow Jesus and you still have these desires, you feel bad about yourself. I thought that I was going to change. The fact that you're fighting shows that you've changed. Because whenever, because the uh, thing that I can tell when someone is not following Jesus is when there's no fight. Because the devil's not fighting something or somebody that is already submitted to him. The world is not fighting somebody or something that's already submitted to it. The flesh isn't going to fight something that you're already giving into whenever it wants something. Right? The thing is this, whenever you are battling the devil, the flesh, and the world, and you're trying to build God's kingdom, there's a clash of kingdoms. So there's a reason why you feel like there's a fight. It's because there is. There is. And I just want to take a burden off of some of you today that are 
that are condemning yourself because you struggle. And I really believe today that you need to know the struggle is actually a sign you're going in the right direction. Struggle's a sign you're heading in the right because the devil's not going to bring any spiritual warfare against somebody or something that's already submitted to him. The world and the flesh. So Jesus doesn't promise us we're not going to battle, but he does promise us to be with us in the battle. He does give us the tools to overcome. He says, no temptation to seize you except what is, what is common to man, and he will be faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He'll always provide a way out. He gives you the tools. You've got the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness. So, 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 so you, you were created to rule. You were created to reign, but not as king. You're under King Jesus. So when you feel a fight, just know the fight is there because you're struggling, and the struggle is a sign that you're heading in the right direction. So what is the kingdom of God? Let's talk about that real quick. Number one, Jeremy Treat wrote a great book on the kingdom of God that's powerful. He gave this, this working definition. The kingdom of God is God's reign through God's people over God's place. But it's God's the one that reigns. He wants to reign through people. I don't know why God decides to work through people. If I was him, I wouldn't do that. Because I have children. Anything I want to get done, and I want to get done quicker, I don't involve my kids. This is God. Like, but he decides to, you know, like I see my kids trying to help in the dishwasher, and they're getting more food and water on the floor than they are in the dishwasher. I'm just like, I, why do I even let them do this? And then I'm like, because I want to involve them. This is us with God. He wants his rule to happen through his people, and he wants it to happen in places. This is why whenever you go to work, you aren't just going to work. You're going to build and spread the kingdom. The kingdom, Jesus said, is within you. So as the kingdom is built within you, then it can be built through you. So as, so as God's kingdom, heaven on earth, is being built in you, then it can come out of you. So then when you go to work, you can actually start building the kingdom of heaven, God's wills and God's ways and God's place, wherever you go. This is why, to me, revival is always a funny thing. If you've been in the Christian culture, revival, revival, revival. We want revival. And what they're saying by that is they want God to like, do the Bible stuff, <laughs> Right? Like, we want God to, like, do the Bible stuff, and that is good, but revival doesn't happen in a service, in a place. Revival can be wherever you go. You can be revival. Revival, I mean, as you let the kingdom of God be built in you, then be built through you, you can go and bring heaven to earth in your workplace, in your family, in whatever chaos environment you go into. You can be the walking, living, breathing presence and kingdom of God. Secondly, though, Jeremy Treat said this. He said, to be saved into the kingdom of God is to have God's comprehensive rule over every aspect of life. This is a far cry from merely asking Jesus into my heart. It means a new life, a new identity, and a new kingdom. Isn't that a little bit different than what we've been taught in the United States to say a prayer and you're good? I mean... I don't know about you, but when I started to follow Jesus, I responded to one of those like altar calls. Jesus in your heart, go down front, have someone pray over you. And I just, you know, felt pure and little did I know that was only the beginning. And I, I think we can all say that. It's like we start off with this like, oh man, I'm safe from hell. And that is true. Praise God. He changes our fundamental identity from a sinner to a saint, enemy of God to a friend of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit that Scripture says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. This is a gift from God. That's 
But that's the starting point. That's the starting. Then I had to learn about what Jesus said about various aspects of things that I was doing. If there's kids in here, I apologize. But I got to start being enlightened about what Jesus had to say about sex. And I'm like, I don't know if I like this. I really don't know if I like this. What he would say about money. What he would say about relationships. What he would say about forgiveness. What he would say about anger. What he would say about rage. What he would say about hypocrisy. What he would say about being nice and kind and loving to the poor, especially people that you don't like and you don't agree with. All of these areas, the kingdom of God started to clash with the kingdom that I had created. And this is everybody. Because just like Jeremy said, the kingdom of God, I want to read this one more time, is God's comprehensive rule over every area of your life. It's more than just saying a prayer and asking Jesus into your heart. But do you know what I love is that Jesus said there's a doorway to get into the kingdom of God. And it's found in the scripture, the focus scripture for today, Matthew 4, 17, when Jesus used the word that is even saying it, some of you are going to like shiver. Repent. Repent. Some of you have heard that word in church a lot. Some of you have seen that written on a sign <laughs> online and seeing you know, a church in front of a funeral or something like that says repent or you'll go to hell. We have such a jacked up definition of what repent is in the church. And it is my heart today to explain to you why in the world would Jesus say the first thing, repent, and then say that's the way to get into the kingdom of God. I want to talk to you about that because the truth is the kingdom of God begins in us when we repent and is continually built as we continue to repent. This word repent, there's some connotations in scripture that, that is just like, you know, you feel bad for what you do. That's partly it. But technically at its core, repent means to turn. You want me to do that one more time? Repent means to turn. It's saying you were going this way. Repent means I'm not going this way no more. I'm going a different way. So repent literally means to turn. And let me tell you why this is so powerful. Repentance gets us into the kingdom of God, and repentance keeps us in the kingdom of God. Great example, right? Many of you have heard about Martin Luther and the Protestant what? Reformation. Reformation. I like to say it that, it, that way because it was really a reformation of the church. The context surrounding that, the Catholic church at, at that time, and, and I'm not bad for the Catholic church. If you're Catholic, I'm not bashing you. I'm just telling you facts. The Catholic church at that time had gotten so far away from the gospel. This is facts. They were selling sins. Like selling them. Imagine if at Lifehouse, you're walking into church and we give you a menu. Getting smashed this weekend, 30 bucks. You can go give, give to lifehouse.com. Just make sure you choose the indulgence fund. Want to go out and have an extramarital affair, $300. Or you can get a combo, get smashed in the fair, 600. 
Give to LifeHouse.com. Choose the... <laughs> I, I'm glad that you guys laughed, because the first service didn't laugh, and I was a little nervous. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm saying it, but it's, it's, it's funny in theory, but it's crazy, because this is where the church had gotten so far away from the gospel. That it was selling the very thing Jesus died for so it could get money. Its focus was on money. It, it was on the three Bs. Butts, budgets, and buildings. Martin Luther wrote 95 theses. Do you know what the first one was? I want to share it with you. This is what Martin Luther, as he was critiquing the church, and said, there, there, there needs to be a reformation in the church. The first one he said was, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. Do you know what, what he was saying? He was saying, if the church corporately or Christians individually do not practice a life of repentance, we will gradually turn from what the truth is. And if we don't have a heart that is contrite, open, receptive to even what the psalmist said, search my heart, O oh God. And if there's any unclean way within me, show it to me. King Jesus, if there's anything that I am doing that's outside your kingdom and your will and your way, you have permission to tell me. And my response will be obedience not debate. If we don't repent and we don't say, Lord, if that's not our heart, we will turn. And we can joke on the Catholic Church and be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, look, that's, that's crazy. Y'all, let's just be honest. We do the same thing. It's crazy how we can pick and choose what we want to obey. You know, Thomas Jefferson, hey, and I'm not bashing Thomas Jefferson, but what I am saying is, you know, he created his own Bible. It's actually called The Life and Teachings of Jesus Christ. You can order it at Amazon right now. He actually went through and cut out with a knife any supernatural thing Jesus did because he did not believe Jesus had the power to be supernatural. We can be like, oh my God, he's going to hell for sure. <laughs> right? But let's just be honest, we all cut and paste what we want to obey. He was just bold enough to make his own Bible. <laughs> but really, you, you guys are probably, some of y'all, I mean, us, I mean, it's like we're, we're all living according to what, our own, what we want our own Bible to be. Do you know, I went to the Bible Museum a couple years ago, and there was, there was, and there was an exhibit there for a slave Bible. It's hard to even talk about it. That people made a Bible and took it to slaves and cut out anything about freedom. What the, I can't even say the word I'm thinking. What in God's name? How, how do we get that far off? Francis Chan, though, says every generation of Christians has something that we're going to look 
back on and say, what were we thinking? Slavery can definitely be one. What Francis Chan says is, within the church now, the opulence. The kind of like way we live. The high standard of living. So, see, she's like, John, what are you trying to do? I'm, I'm just trying to let you know we have to be careful. And the reason why Jesus said repent is because it's a blessing to us. Because it's what gets us into the kingdom to live under his kingdom and rules, and it's what keeps us in the kingdom. That makes sense? Because if we're not careful, we will go off and we'll create our own Bibles unconsciously. We'll start thinking, oh, you know, no, it's like, no, repentance is what keeps us moving in his direction to build his kingdom, to have his kingdom built within us and then through us. Okay? I want to talk about this word repent really, really quick and give you three, because like, I need us to understand it. I need us to understand this word, the, kind of, the, the connotations of it in scripture and how it applies to us right now living in the kingdom of God. Number one, repent. It means to turn, but it also means to rethink. It also means to rethink. And the way that I explain this is when you start to follow Jesus, what you are essentially doing is you are going all in. Where you are saying, Jesus, there is no aspect of my life that I'm going to keep you from. And the way that I explain it is, you're, is like you're playing poker. I don't condone gambling. If you do gamble and you do win, it's givetolifehouse.com. <laughs> Give to Life Change Fund. Make sure you tithe, okay? And just don't tell me. We'll just praise God together, okay? Uh, I just lost my train of thought. What are you talking about? Okay, look. So if in poker, there's a term called all in. And all in is where you take all your chips and you look at your hand and you're like, I think I could win with this hand. So you take all your chips and you put them into the center of the table. And you're, you essentially say, all I have, I'm going all in based on this hand that I have. And the way that I describe when we go all in for Jesus is it's like if each one of the chips you're putting in resemble a piece or portion or speck of your life. So name to me some, just you can shout out, we're a, you can tell we're a real laid back church here, okay? Uh, we like it that way. But name to me some specific areas of your life that you think could be considered a chip. Finances, health, career, vocation, yep. Wife, marriage, relationships. Your mind, mental health, yes. Children, your children, yeah. What else? Possessions, your stuff, your house, your car, yeah. You, go, oh, you guys are doing better than the, than the first service. I like y'all. Come on, go, go ahead and give me more. Huh? Ho who? Talents, your gifts, yeah. S something else. Time, your job. Obedience, yeah, guys, this is all good. So think about all of these being a chip, separate chip. Your oh, trust me, I go all in for the Jaguars daily. Every time I watch the Jags, I got to repent for all the things I said while I was watching them. <laughs> I'm putting all my chips in there. 
because I will turn heavy watching the Jaguars. I got to repent. Search my heart, Lord. Yes. But, but, but just like going all in with Jesus, repenting is saying all of those chips, Jesus, I'm going to give you permission to help me rethink all of these things according to living in your kingdom. Not according to what I want the kingdom to be, but according to what your, do you know how hard this is? Do you know what ticks me off? And, and I say this in love. Do you know how many years this takes? I mean, how many years this takes? Because I don't know about you. I put some chips in and I take a couple back. I'm like, yeah, yo, let me get a couple of them right there. You know, like, like that's because that's it's truth. And what, what we have to make sure of church family is that we create a place at Lifehouse. Not that we condone, not that we turn a blind eye, but we have to give people some safety and some time to let the Holy Spirit work. To let the Spirit of God work. Because I don't know, even in the physical realm, it takes 18 years to make an adult. Well, I don't know. For some people, it takes like 30. To make an adult. <laughs> to where they're self-sufficient. To where they know how to think from black and white to gray. To thinking about contextually and all of these different ways. And the church, not, the church has to be a safe place where people can wrestle with their chips. Because people are coming in being shaped and formed by the, by the world. And yes, they can be saved in a moment, but it can take a lifetime for all those chips to get in the middle. And I'm not condemning, I'm not, I'm not saying don't speak truth, but that's why it requires discernment. Because what is growth for one person might not be growth for somebody else. And that's where it takes, there's so many layers to it. Relationship, how well do they receive your voice? Like there's so many variables that go into it. But many times we just want a formula rather than discernment. So we say, well, you know, you just got to do this. And it's, and it's, some, but yeah, because some, some people need some grace. Some people need some truth. Some people need some truth. Some people need things said in a clear, hard way. What you are doing is against God's word. You're grieving his heart. He loves you. He has best for you. And this is not his best. And, but once some people will possibly interpret that as the church hurt me. Truth said in love is not hurt, y'all. And I don't devalue this. Some people have, I, I'm leading a group on church hurt. This, starting with, with the groups, Wednesday night, starting not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. If you want to sign up, text HURT. To, no, I'm just kidding. Text HURT. Sound fast, no. Just sign up for it. But, because I know that is a real thing. But what I think we've also created in the church, if someone tells me something that is not God's best, then they're hurting me. That could actually be loving you. Proverbs even says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Enemies multiply kisses. So, but some people need some tenderness. Some people need to belong before they believe. Some, some people need to be in the people of God 
before they can believe in God. Some people need to see this Jesus thing is legit and real and true and that people actually live it. Because what they've experienced has just been a bunch of hypocrites. Y'all, we have to be a place where we are relying on the Holy Spirit for discernment and how to love people and creating a safe place and giving people time to get these chips in the middle of the table. Because we all have one or two that we don't want to let go of. That is, that is our idol. That is what we are building our lives on and where Jesus comes to not just save your soul, but even save you from yourself. Save you from your idols that you're building your life on that are not going to save you. It is what Jesus would call sand. You're building your life on sand. But when you build your life on him, he says you build your life on a rock. So re- repenting is rethinking. It's going all in and saying, Lord, all the chips, I put them in, even if I put them he- all in. Secondly, though, rethinking, or s- s- ex- excuse me, repenting means, <laughs> this one's funny, it's not a democracy. I think because we don't live in a kingdom, we live in a democracy, don't understand what it means to live in a kingdom. A democracy, everyone gets a vote. In a democracy, everyone gets a voice. We ain't living in a democracy if we live in the kingdom of God. Kings don't vote. But we we live in a world that is feeding you and boiling you in Self. Self. Whatever. Self. I mean, now there's a healthy view of you see yourself as being made in God's very image. So, so you see yourself as having value and dignity and worth and important. Not because of who you are, but because of who God has made you. That's a healthy view of self and of you taking healthy boundaries, you knowing who you are, how God has wired you. That is all healthy self self stuff that even the Bible would say that Jesus walked through. Jesus knew who he was and who he wasn't. Jesus called himself, I am the vine. I am the way. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. He knew who he was, but he also knew who he wasn't. That's healthy. But there is also this in our culture, this unhealthy, like you are the God of your own universe. It's self, self, self. Like, no one is more important than you are. And the thing is this, whenever we have our culture boiling us in this, that you are the most important thing, and then we get saved into a kingdom that says, when Jesus said, in the kingdom, if you lose yourself, you'll actually find yourself. Right? So it's not looking inside in this cute little self, and you're a snowflake, and you're so great, you're so good. Look inside, and once you find yourself... You find yourself, no, it's to, to find yourself, you look up and get lost in the goodness and grace and power and mercy and love of your creator, God. And as you look up to him, you find out who more you are because you're made in his image anyway. This whole looking in to find yourself will just be Jesus. No, you look up and you are called to mirror and reflect. Image literally means mirror. We'll only find who, who we are as we look up to whose image we're made in. Looking in will not get us there. But we have a world that's telling you, look, look in. 
So when you have a world that's telling you, look in, you come into a kingdom that says, look up. Do y'all see where there could be some clashing? We got to give some safety. We got to give some time. We got to learn, like we've got to unlearn so we can relearn. I love what Tim Keller says, because we got to learn a whole new way of doing things. Tim Keller says this, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping, worshiping an idolized version of yourself. Because you're going to find this because the world teaches you look inside. And if you look inside, you become the standard. You're not wanting out, outside voice. You are the voice. This is not what it is to live in the kingdom. Living, is the, living in the kingdom is you look up. You say, God, what is your best? Because what we are finding is people want to follow Jesus but not give Jesus any permission to have a voice in their life. So they're living by subjective truth instead of objective truth. What I say is, like, I, I, instead of saying there's an objective truth outside of me and his name is Jesus. Okay. Is everyone okay? Okay. Let, let me dive into this last one here. Repent means alignment, not just agreement. Christians are very good at nodding their head and not changing anything. That's good. For them, yeah. You know. Jesus had this one slogan. He said, before he went into the wise and foolish builder parable, the writer Matthew picks up this one little statement slogan that Jesus said, to build on, to prepare the way for him to talk about a wise and foolish builder. He said this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? <laughs> and he was like, you're nodding, but you're not aligning. You're agreeing, but you're not aligning your life. Repenting closes the gap from what you agree with to what you're actually aligned with. Is that good? And if we're going to live in the kingdom of God, the kingdom is not about agreement. The kingdom is about alignment. Now, this takes time, and repenting begins with conviction that is born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit draws. The Holy Spirit draws people to him. And it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us and leads us to. You know what scripture says? It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. It's his kindness. Like it's, it's his, instead of do this or you're going to hell, it's like, y'all, I know what's better. Like, y'all, I made you. I need you to trust me. You trying to do your own thing in your own will, in your own way, will lead to your own destruction. I need you to know I have the best in mind for you. Come to me. That's what I fear when, when I hear kindness leads to repentance. It's God's kindness. It, 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 is, it is like a good mom or dad looking at their kids right in the eye and seeing their rebellion. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> you can see that rebellion right in their eyes. And instead of yelling at them, if you do this, you're going to go to hell, it's like, I have what's best for you. Mark Batterson said this. He said, condemnation is feeling guilty over confessed sin. 
Because there, 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 there really is. Some of you struggle with condemnation. When it's, here's the thing, condemnation is not of God. Conviction is of God. Baxter says, like, condemnation is feeling guilty over confessed sin. So some of you are feeling guilty over things you've already given over to Jesus. And you're living and you're looking back over things the blood has already covered. But then it says, conviction is feeling guilty over unconfessed sin. Conviction is healthy and holy, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the way we get right with God and get on with our lives. If you don't listen to his convicting voice, you won't hear his comforting voice, his wise voice, or his GPS voice either. Hanging, hearing the voice of God is a package deal. If you don't listen to everything the Holy Spirit has to say, it's difficult to hear anything he has to say. Jesus wants all of you. He wants all of you to live in his kingdom. What did Jesus say? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. God is a holistic God. He doesn't want a piece of you. He doesn't want a compartmentalized version of you. He wants all of you to live in the goodness and blessing of living with him as your king in his kingdom. The pathway to that, here's the thing, the kingdom of God begins, and this is, I need keyboard player up, I need to end this plane, I need to land this plane, okay? <laughs> we do not need to be in here until 1230, all right? We gotta land this thing. The kingdom of God begins and is sustained with repentance. And I pray today you've heard what at the heart and core of repentance is. It's rethinking, it's taking your chips and going all in. Repenting means it's not a democracy. You're living in a kingdom with a king. Repenting isn't just agreeing, it's aligning. And as we enter the kingdom of God through the doorway of repentance, we actually get to access the goodness, presence, love, providence, sovereignty of God. My prayer is that we would be a church that allows the kingdom of God to be built in us and through us through the gift of repentance. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.